listening to the ESP, the European Skeptics Podcast, an independent weekly show set out to bring you news, interesting topics and interviews with people mostly from Europe, building bridges and breaking down language barriers to show the world how active and awesome the skeptical movement is in the region. This is episode 379. I'm your host, Annika Harrison, and with me is my co-host, Pontus Böckmann. Hallo! Hey, son, hey, son. I am skeptical and in the region. How are you? <laughs> well, I'm also skeptical and in the region. <laughs> so, well. <laughs> very, very good. I, I, I just want to say, before we get started, thank you very much to Claire and the Club Sisyphos who received me in Prague last week. I had a fantastic time. They were very generous with uh, their time and with the food. And we spent, uh, uh, <laughs> it was a long night, but I had a blast. It was very good. Thank you, awesome. Claire. Awesome. Mm. <laughs> yeah, and Claire, if, if you want someone to talk about skeptical motherhood and parenthood, you know who to talk to, right? <laughs> exactly. If you can get invited to Prague, I, I can mm -hmm. recommend it. I can recommend yeah. that for everybody. <laughs> I, I would love to go to Prague. Like, yeah, it's, yeah. it's beautiful. <laughs> it is. It, it is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, something that's definitely not beautiful is um, a slap lawsuit, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Who is it this time? This time, and SLAP, of course, is Strategic Lawsuit Against Public Participation. So, funnily enough, then SLAP Lawsuit is actually a double, but forget that. Um, <laughs> it's Oliver Rautenberg, also called uh, Antroblogger. Um, so, this is, uh, of course, someone who is working to inform the public about anthroposophy. Yeah, he is taken to court, has a lot of costs, and would appreciate... Even a little uh, little something. Um, I put the links in the show notes. And yeah, this is, I think, um, something we've done before. Because yeah. there, there are just like, yes, being a skeptic is, is financially dangerous at times. Yeah, yeah. Before I pledge my money, is he pro or con anthroposophy? Well, he was informing <laughs> the public about anthroposophy. So of ah, course he's real con. data, real science and mm -hmm, how yeah, mm -hmm. anthroposophy is not a real thing. Okay, exactly then I can that, be, yeah. then I can get behind it. Good. <laughs> <laughs> Oliver Rautenberg. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. So, speaking of things to get behind, I think the Turkish public and the voters there are now trying to decide who well they get behind, mm -hmm. because we've just learned this weekend that uh, Erdogan is not yet re-elected as president. He got. 49.52% of the support in the first round of the presidential election. And he mm -hmm. needed 50. So it's really, really, really small margin. Uh, the other guy who got a lot uh, is, and this is going to, I'm going to butcher this. Turkish is way beyond my comfort zone. I wish, Serdar, if you're listening, uh, I know you are. So send in a, rec a recording of how this is pronounced. His last name is... Kilik Daruglu. Probably not, but this is when I just phonetically try to get through the whole string of characters. Anyway, he got almost 45% of the votes, but that means that since nobody got 50%, there's going to be a second round. The third candidate is an ultranationalist called Sinan Organ, and he, he oh, sorry, Organ, Sinan Organ. He got 5% and he's not in the second round, of course, but he's now backing Erdogan, which means that 
I don't know. I think Erdogan is going to win. It looks like it from here. I'm not an expert in Turkish domestic policies. I don't know. What I do know is that the rest of the world is a bit interested in this, especially Sweden, because mm-hmm. of the NATO application that Erdogan has refused to sign for so long. And uh, But also because within NATO, Turkey is the country, one of the countries, I would say, But it is a country that is sort of trying to still flirt with Russia just a little bit. So it's important for the... And I don't know how the opposition is in Turkey, so maybe it's the same. But Erdogan has been at it for over 20 years, and I think maybe it's time to replace him hopefully mm-hmm. with something better we will see yeah. i don't we know will i just see, exactly. yeah I, it's just <laughs> important european news i don't know exactly the skeptical angle mm-hmm. but we will all follow this with uh, some interest i believe yes all right so i hear you were also traveling a little bit last week or, or this weekend i should say yes yes i traveled to frankfurt um to skepcon mm, also yeah. held a uh, a talk there <laughs> And I actually did two short interviews. <laughs> oh, good, good. Which you have recorded and we will mm-hmm. play them now on the show, I think. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I did three interviews and the third interview will probably be in next uh, next week's show. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll Just make to... no promises. but <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how, Just to, how we feel. Just to yeah? spice it up a bit. <laughs> yeah, but that's good. Good, 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 good. Yeah, the, so they're pretty short. They're with um, Maximilian Döckel. He's one of the Quarks Science Corps um, who are debunking stuff online and soon on TV. They're having like a podcast, but also a web series um, from WDR, which is a public uh, TV channel. And then I also did an interview with Rebecca Wismek-Kammerlander, who is a researcher for German and European studies and um, a German skeptic. So, yeah. Interesting. Mm -hmm. I think so, too. So, yeah, maybe we just jump in and listen to these interviews. Yeah. Okay, so I'm standing here at Skepcon um, and I found someone I wanted to interview. So can you tell me who you are? Just the name, yeah, Max Dökel. I'm the host of the Quarks Science Cops podcast, uh, which is a VDR podcast, so a public broadcasting station in Germany. Awesome. And what do you do at a, as a science cop? <laughs> well, we fight uh, against pseudoscience. Um, in the podcast, we think that there's way too much of it and it well, is a, is a health risk for many people because if they are ill, if they have a serious illness, then they should go to doctors who make real or make real health treatments and, and not uh, well, trust homeopathy or something like that. Uh, and we're not only doing it in, in terms of health-related claims, but also energy and all that stuff. That's really awesome. Um, and as someone who is not a member of GVOP, how did you enjoy uh, Skepcon so far? Well, it was quite nice. I mean, I had the honor of uh, speaking on the big stage and giving a, a look behind the scenes of our podcast. And I mean, normally we're just sitting in our in our studio and we're talking to each other. And and now I mean, it was I think the second time that I really met a lot of people who. Um, listen to the podcast, who liked the podcast and who gave uh, me immediate feedback and that was just a, a great feeling and there are so many uh, nice people around here who, well, which I would say share the same, um, 
how can I say that politely? Um, disrespect for <laughs> city science here. Yeah. Awesome. So yeah, thank you for the interview. No problem at all. Okay, I'm here at the last day of Skepcon and I'm here with Rebecca Wismek-Kamalanda. So, how are you and um, who are you also? Uh, Hi, yeah, um, I'm, I'm Rebecca, as we just said. I'm a Germanist and I've been studying and working and teaching in London for a long time, currently in Germany for a bit, but still a visiting research fellow. Yeah, and I do a lot of skeptical things about branding and stuff. And we've had the pleasure to talk before, so somebody who's following Annika's interview series might have heard <laughs> something from me before, yeah. Yeah, exactly, because I interviewed Rebecca for uh, Skeptical Inquirer and she was also a part of a few live streams of Wissenschaft trifft Freundschaft, WTF. Um, so Rebecca, what did you like about Skepcon so far? Oh, it's been great to connect with people that I've only met online so far and also like see a few new faces that I've never been in touch with before. Yesterday we've had um, a, a really nice talk about gender-inclusive language, which I found great because it's, I think, often framed as a very divisive topic, which it needn't be if you approach it like from a very sensible and research-based level. And I think we've opened a few avenues to go down there. Yeah, I um, also really like that. So yeah, thank you for the interview. Very welcome. All right, cool. Yeah. So these were my, were my two short uh, glimpses into into Skepcon. <laughs> yeah, very good. I mean, it is fantastic always to go to these conferences mm -hmm. and meet people and talk with them, not just to interview them, but just to meet people at the exactly. bar or over exactly. coffee or whatever. Mm -hmm. And you come back with so many new ideas and, and you always learn a lot of things. And that's what I enjoy most mm -hmm. about it's not it's not i enjoy speaking as well at, mm -hmm. <laughs> at, at conferences but i i really enjoy learning new things mm -hmm. that, that is the yeah main reason for going there and because uh, esc basically was last year's skepcon this was the first skepcon since 2019 mm, yeah it was long time and um it was yeah it was amazing great more yeah. about skepcon later Yeah, now I'm just wondering if we have a Twitch, but... I don't think no. so. I don't see Andras <laughs> around. We didn't comment on that, but Andras couldn't make it, uh, mm -hmm. as people may understand. Again, he's traveling, he's working, so no Twitch today. No Twitch, but then, because Pontus is here, <laughs> I am. right? So Pontus, is there something to poke the Pope for? Yes, there is. Frankie, Frankie, Frankie. When will you take a hint? So he still wishes to play a mediator role in the Russia's, in Russia's war on, on Ukraine. And nobody wants him to do that. But he keeps insisting. Uh, Zelensky, we talked about that, met with him a couple of weeks ago, said uh, thank you, but no thank you, very politely. It was an honor to meet the Pope, but he was clearly not interested. But... Frankie is not giving up. Despite this, he announced this weekend that he has appointed Cardinal Matteo Zuppi to conduct what the Vatican calls, quote, a mission in agreement with the Secretariat of State, that's in the Vatican, that will contribute to easing tensions in the conflict in Ukraine in the hope, never resigned by the Holy Father, that this can start paths of peace, end quote. So, few things there. The conflict in Ukraine, very carefully not pointing out what is very mm -hmm. obvious, that there's one aggressor and one party is trying to just defend themselves. Mm -hmm. And um, 
starts paths of peace. How can you talk sense into these people? I in, with Putin, I mean, I don't know how that's going, especially since Putin is not interested and Zelensky is not interested. But anyway, we we should remember the name Cardinal Matteo Zuppi for the future. He, we don't. We may see more of him uh, in the future because not only is he a former president of the Italian Bishops' Conference and one of Frankie's boys, you know, if you will, but he is also um, what the Italians call papabile, which means he <laughs> has been mentioned as one of the possible papal candidates mm-hmm. when Frankie, well, is no more. Which he, it will happen sooner or later, and then. Uh, Zuppi, maybe. Maybe we have a Pope Zuppi in the future. I, I like the, the name. I like that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so anyway, Zuppi's job for now is to seek meetings with both Zelensky and Putin as part of the mission. Will not work, I'm sure. Good luck with that. But uh, there's also some more confusions. When it often is when, when, uh, when Frankie makes appointments and announcements like this. It, it was rumored that Zuppi would do this together with the aid of Archbishop Claudio Giugherotti. Uh, Giugherotti is head of the Vatican's Dicastery for Eastern Churches. And Eastern Churches, that is code name in the Vatican for the Orthodox Church. So not just the Greek Church, but also the Russian Orthodox Church. So they, they pretend that they are still part of... We're all Catholics, they they usually say, but, I, well, to some extent, I guess they are, but they are not recognizing Frankie as head of the church, and uh, they will not. But anyway, that's uh, beside the point. The problem is that Giudge Rotti has said that, I know nothing about this. I don't know if I'm appointed to this or not. So uh, we will see what will happen. The Vatican, in its statement, did not say when... Further details of Supi's mission will be released, like timeline and itinerary and things. So we will see if it can be anything in the mm-hmm. future. I somehow doubt it. We, we will all see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Pontus, thank you for poping the Pope. Poping the Pope? You said poping the Pope, right? <laughs> yes, you did say poping the Pope. But hey, you're welcome. You're welcome. We can pope the Pope every week if we want to. <laughs> That's what we do. <laughs> so I think that means we should go over to the news. And our news start with a prize. Um, this is about prizes awarded by SCEP, the Belgian Skeptical Organization. Mm-hmm. And they awarded a prize to the Belgian uh, UFO home hotline and to Professor Ariane Bazan. The UFO hotline got recognition, as funny as it seems, because they're an organization that systematically collects and investigates sightings about UFOs, but in a very skeptical way. Ah. Skep said, and I quote, people keep seeing things in the sky that they can't explain and that sometimes frighten them. It is therefore a good thing that there's still a group of volunteers working to collect such reports, to study them and to communicate about them regularly. We believe that this work can be extremely useful in educating the general public so that the UFO phenomenon loses its sensational and pseudoscientific aspects. 
<laughs> it's interesting that there are uh, quite a few uh, very serious mm -hmm. scientifically minded UFO groups yes. out there. We have a one in Sweden as well, mm -hmm. and uh, they—I uh, don't know how they manage to keep their interest because they, you know, they're working for decades and decades, and every time there's a report, they say, "Well, this was very close, but no, not this time either." So um, I admire their enthusiasm and. Uh, As Skep now recognizes, it is important that somebody do, do this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They also gave out a negative prize um, called the Skeptical Put. <laughs> I Skeptical think. Put. Uh, yeah, I think it's Put, if, if put. I pronounce it correctly. Okay. Um, which I think is something like a hole. Uh -huh. um, but correct me if I'm wrong, dear uh, Belgian listeners. And this is a prize for someone who has been exceptionally uncritical or has totally misunderstood the dissemination of knowledge in science. And this one is for clinical psychologist Ariane Bazan, who is a professor at the University de Lorraine in Lorraine in France. And... Um, Here she said she propagates psychoanalytic theories that are completely outdated. Uh, Freud. Yeah, exactly. She And she also defends mm. uh, pseudoscientific views that, for example, Sigmund Freud had, which like at his time might have been okay. But nowadays we already know better, you know. So she often uses uh, pseudo profound statements or even completely incomprehensible statements which of course is also hard for people who are not uh, psychologists who then look through that. So yeah, that was a negative price. And um, yeah, I, I just find this really interesting because uh, it seems like all of our skeptical organizations, we have a positive and a negative price. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's a good way of doing it. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. it's always interesting, like who receives the positive and who receives the negative. That's... Um, Yeah, just a cool thing. Yeah. And again, I recognize this from the Swedish scene as well. Mm -hmm. We also have one university with one guy who is very, very much pro-Freud against all recommendations coming from the social health uh, agency, whatever it's mm -hmm. called. And they still keep putting uh, Freud's books on the curriculum and not to debunk them, but mm -hmm. seriously. And, and in one some courses, there's only Freud written books yeah it, it, and and we don't believe that anymore mm -hmm, but exactly. apparently somebody do yeah. <laughs> all right okay speaking of what to believe in the who is at it again oh um, really <laughs> yeah they could be right but i'm not so sure this time they do a lot of good we say that all the time the who is a very good organization we need it but sometimes they sort of miss the point and they don't always promote what we feel is purely scientific i don't i'm not sure maybe i'm wrong about this but i think they're stepping into something here that they shouldn't they have issued a recommendation based on a systematic review of the scientific literature regarding artificial sweetness so that sounds impressive, systematic review, scientific literature, blah, 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 blah. Mm. <laughs> uh, but their conclusion is, looking at all the studies that have been done, their conclusion is that non-sugar sweeteners do not help people lose weight and they have been linked with other health problems. Well, maybe, maybe so. They noted that the guidance is not a recommendation to eat more real sugar, so I'm, I'm with them there. <laughs> 
but but they said uh, you should also reduce overall sweetness in the daily diet. Francesco Branca, who is a WHO director for nutrition and food safety, said this, quote, people need to consider other ways to reduce free sugar intake, such as consuming food with naturally occurring sugars like fruit or unsweetened food or beverages. So, Again, there's a hint of the naturalistic fallacy there as well, just because fruits are said to be natural. It's still sugar in, in fruit. Mm-hmm, so exactly. I'm not saying it's bad to eat fruit, but it's not entirely different, depending on how much fruit you eat, of course. <laughs> but that's not my problem. I'm building up the suspense here. I'll build to what I, why I'm not so happy about this. Uh, but at first, I will say that she also added that sugar substitutes, quote, have no nutritional value, people should reduce the sweetness of the diet altogether, starting early in life to improve their health, end quote. And we should also qualify, what is non-sugar sweeteners? So WHO uh, includes acesulfame K, I never heard of that, aspartame, advantame, cyclamat, neotame, saccharin, sucralose, stevia, and stevia derivatives according to their report. Okay. <laughs> so, finally, why is Pontus not convinced with this? Scientific, isn't it? <laughs> well, for one thing, uh, there is something called the Calorie Control Council, which is a food industry group. So they may be biased, but they said in a statement that it strongly disagrees with the WHO's recommendation and that the safety on, of non-sugar sweeteners have been firmly established. They claimed that low and no-calorie sweetness have been proven to help with weight management, promote oral health, and to help uh, cut back calorie and sugar intake. So, okay, as I said, they are biased, but they have a point because a systematic review is no new research. So what they're looking at is old existing uh, studies, which they said as well, the, the scientific literature. And the potential problem here is that many of these studies will find a correlation between bad health and these sweeteners. But it's very hard to control for that people who participate in these studies, they are in poor health and therefore they are eating more artificial sweetness instead of sugar in an attempt to regain their health. Mm -hmm. Which means that this group may not be unwell because they are eating sweetness. They may be eating sweetness because they are already unwell. Mm -hmm. Hen and egg problem. (laughs) Exactly. So that will show a correlation between unhealthy people, not unhealthy people, with people with sickness or illnesses and artificial sweetness because people who are not well are more likely Mm -hmm. to choose not to eat sugars. And as I said, it's very, very hard to control for this. And if you have a large number of studies like this, and some of these studies have this problem, and then you summarize everything, even if there's not a problem with the artificial sweetness, it may appear so in the summary. Mm -hmm. So we will see uh, more. I think, again, we have to see more research is needed. As the Calorie Control Council says, partisan as they may be, There is no proven mechanism for artificial sweetness to be bad for you. People have been looking for this for for Mm -hmm. decades, for decades, and we cannot say why they should be bad. They still may be, but it's not Mm -hmm. proven, and I'm not so sure about this uh, recommendation. Anyway, be careful. Don't eat too much sugar anyway, uh, but I wouldn't be 
afraid of drinking Diet mm-hmm. Coke, for instance. We should always stay skeptical. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. I want to talk about biodiversity because, believe it or not, there are still people who don't believe in climate change. <laughs> what? Mm-hmm. Climate denies, uh, as we call them. So, But this is also something that I talked about before. That's why I don't want to give it too much of time. Uh, but there's a new study out by Queen's University Belfast. And they looked at 70,000 animal species. And that's why it's probably the most comprehensive and current study to date. Mm-hmm. And they found that 48% of species on Earth are currently undergoing a population decline. Only less than 3% are increasing. And that means, like, we can see that it's very drastic and we are eroding biodiversity right now. And this is this is happening. And this is also really alarming. This yeah. is probably, like, together with the actual climate crisis, of course, it's related to that. This is a very pressing challenge for humankind in, in the next decades. We know that animals are part of our ecosystem. Animals can spread diseases, <coughs> COVID, <coughs> and... <laughs> <laughs> Well, are you calling viruses an animal? Then we will get emails. <laughs> no, of course. Or you mean the, the animals that spread the viruses yes. to the humans? Then, then it's like, okay. That. Like, I know what eukaryotes are. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> if not, go back to the last exactly. week's episode. There's a long lecture about it by Andros. <laughs> Andros, we miss you. So this this is not only like, like people might think like oh yeah poor animals they're cute whatever but no is this is this has having an impact on the planet and on humans because we're also animals of course and yeah but <laughs> yeah. It's, it's an extinction there's an extinction happening and it's really not fun what's happening mm. there are species that will die out and we just, we'll just lose a lot of yeah richness in the plants and in the animals that we share this planet with so well yeah. done, humankind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's also it changes the balance, mm-hmm. and it, ecosystems will collapse and yes, are collapsing as exactly. we speak. Really, which so it's really yeah, serious. which can sometimes have um, outcomes that we don't even know. Mm. Which is why people should believe in climate change, which is going on. And one way of uh, getting them to understand mm-hmm. how this works is to send them to school, right? Which leads me to the, the next item here, because there's a. Um, a discussion mm-hmm. now or a debate in Sweden about the Swedish school system. We, of course, like education. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's very important. It's our hope for the future. You, we can't have critical thinkers if we don't send them to good schools. But there is a trend in Swedish private schools that school grades seem to be inflated. Of course, as a private school, you want to show good results and you want to attract new students so showing high grades for your students is a good thing from a commercial point of view. But the problem is that many of these schools have unlikely high averages. They're well above the standardized tests. So even that there are standardized tests, there are national tests to try to get some sort of calibration of the grades. And you can see that in some schools... Well, they're on one level when you look at the results from the standardized test, but their end grades are still higher. Mm-hmm. And that is very suspicious. How can that be? Sweden 
used to be quite high up in internationally when it came to the mm-hmm. knowledge that people had because the schools were so good. But that over the couple of decades, that's been declining and declining. At the same time, I think we do have more private schools now than we used to have. And if they are competing with each other by quote-unquote promising to deliver higher grades, that's, that's a problem. And I can understand that uh, as parents, you want the best school for your for your children and you want them to have high grades because that's very good for their future and their future careers. But we shouldn't cheat, right? That can't uh, be right. You're not supposed to be selling higher grades to people who can afford to pay for them. You're supposed to get your grades because you study well and you have good teachers and you have... So so it's a very worrying trend and something I think needs to change. And what's happening now is that there's a public debate about this. I think something is going to happen, but it'll probably take some time because now we have a right-wing government and they are not inclined to ban private schools. They're all for privatization of everything. Normally, that's the right-wing way of thinking. So uh, I don't know. But anyway, it's something to be aware of, and I hope uh, we can solve it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to just very quickly talk about something very different to school grades. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. And it's something that I mentioned before in this, uh, Skipcon. There's a video out by Dr. Janusz uh, Hegedusz, who is a... That sounds Hungarian. Yes, and he is. He is Hungarian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and also working in Germany as a medical doctor. And he started a YouTube channel a few years ago to talk about medical topics and very quickly stumbled into the cesspit that is esoterics and woo and alternative medicine, you name it. Mm. Um, so he he came over to the dark side uh, slash the good side us mm. um <laughs> yeah okay so that with the dark side you mean us we yes, are the dark side i mean yeah? i mean this okay. the the evidence like he was he was evidence-based before but he started talking about alternative medicine and why that's so dangerous mm. and yeah has a pretty prolific youtube channel and on this youtube channel you will now also find a video about skepcon because he also held a talk on the first day which is usually called skeptical yeah, talked about Frankfurt, the venue, talked with a few people, including me. The video is in German, but it's probably still still cool to watch it, even if you don't speak German, because you can see 11 minutes of people that were at Skepcon, or you can also see Frankfurt. So I can only recommend it. Um, it it brought back the, the feeling of being so happy to see everyone and catch up with everyone in Frankfurt. So yeah, I can only recommend it. Hmm. Okay, good. I, I I think we have lots of uh, listeners who do speak German, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so um, good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That concludes the news items. So let's uh, speak to Annika to find out uh, yes. if we if we've got someone who has been really wrong lately. And yeah, Annika, do we? No, we don't. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Okay. um, Of course, we have heaps of people who have been really wrong and heaps of people who have been really right, but we don't give out the award this week. Okay, too bad. (laughs) So that basically concludes our show, but I don't want to let our listeners go without a quote. This week's quote is 
by a skeptic we all know personally, and that is Michael Marshall, British Ooh, skeptic Marsh. and yeah, who we call Marsh. <laughs> mm -hmm. I don't think he actually needs an introduction, but for those who are new to our show or new to the skeptics movement, I of course will. Michael Marshall, also called Marsh, is a British skeptic, freelance journalist, editor of The Skeptic magazine. He's the vice president of Merseyside Skeptic Society, um, part of Skeptics with a K, project director of Good Thinking Society, and also a fellow of the Committee for Skeptical Inquiry. And he's also organizing QED with, uh, with his team or like with a big team. Mm. Yeah, that was a long introduction, but that's also like what Marsh... But he's a great guy, he's, so he's it's doing, hard to say shortly, uh, in short. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Like he's doing so many great things that you can't basically introduce him in half a sentence because, yeah, he's very prolific. He's doing a lot. So without further ado, <laughs> I now will um, give you the quote, and it is, If we're going to be able to reach people, and if we're going to be successful in stemming the flow of misinformation, conspiracy, and paranoia, we have to be able to be patient and personable, to be genuinely curious about other people and their motivations, and to understand as much as possible what can lead people off the beaten track and into the wilderness. And he said that in his um, latest article which uh, is patience isn't just a virtue, it's a crucial part of showing compassion for conspiracy theorists, which he wrote in The Skeptic. Yeah, The Skeptic UK, yeah. Of course, there are more than one skeptic magazine in the world. But so Skeptic yes. UK, yes. So yeah, we'll also put that in the show notes. And um, that was the quote. So what, what do you think about it, Pontus? I think it's quite, uh, it's a very important quote. And I think Marsh is one of the most patient people I know when it comes to discussing with people who are clearly wrong about things and have misunderstood things and, and even people who sometimes lie. Mm -hmm. And uh, he he has this uh, podcast called Be Reasonable, mm -hmm. which uh, is it's an amazing thing. I can't, Sometimes I can't stomach to hear it. I can't understand how he can actually do it, but what he does is he's interviewing people who are flat earthers or sell uh, snake oil or, or things like that, and uh, he listens to their side of the, their point of view without giving them right. He, he just listens to them, and it's recorded very respectfully, and it's good for us to listen to this because then we understand these quacks better. But I don't know how he has the patience. And also, I should say, a lot of us skeptics do lose our patience and, and become angry and say stupid things about people. We call people stupid and that will never lead to any progress in the world. Just calling people stupid. Yeah. So I would say this concludes our show. So thank you, Pontus. <laughs> thank you. Thank you also to our listeners who are coming back week after week. So thank you for that. So until next week, goodbye. Hello. Tschüss. Wieslat. This has been your ESP experience. The show is produced and recorded by the ESP.eu. 
join us again next time. But until then, please send your feedback, comments or death threats to info at theesp.eu. We would also love to hear your ideas and suggestions regarding future episodes, as well as news from your country of residence that might interest others across the continent. If you have a local event or organization to promote, please don't hesitate to let us know, as we are more than happy to help. All music in the program was written and performed by Keisha J. Gray and George Schraub and is used with their permission. Please check out our webpage at www.theesp.eu, follow us on Twitter at espodcast underscore eu and like us on Facebook. I don't know how you can believe Just probably have to mute my, my side of the track while you, while you talk. Yeah. Well, it was mostly me talking. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> to be genuinely... Sorry. Genuinely... God. <laughs> <laughs> to, to be genuinely oh god what why do you pronounce this Gen, genuinely genuinely i genuinely that's how i say <laughs> and that means goodbye <laughs> sorry it became a little abrupt abrupt, abrupt. <laughs> sorry <laughs> abrupto <laughs>